Hello, everyone, and welcome to a, an all-new Deep Cuts Live. I'm your host, Antoine Reed. If this is your first time watching, please make sure you hit that subscribe or like button to be notified of any time we have new live interviews. Uh, this week is our first interview post uh, PCA, which is, stands for Premium Cigar Association Trade Show. So um, I'm very excited to have these guys on. So today we're going to be talking to the team behind Casa 1910. So it's a slightly newer brand to the cigar industry, but they're definitely doing some interesting things. So I'm going to look, um, be looking forward to learning more about them and helping you all also learn more about the brand. So let me bring on our guests. Hey, guys. Hello. Hey, hi. Yeah, like I said, I was, uh, you all are the first kind of post PCA people I, I saw. So uh or i'm having on the show so hopefully you all have recovered from the show i know it was a lot <laughs> and hopefully you all avoided the i think the a lot of people from the show got COVID, so hopefully you all managed to avoid that um but welcome thank you thank you definitely it took us a while to recover but luckily we didn't have COVID, so mm. everything went pretty smoothly yeah definitely it was definitely i thought it was a good trade show i think the uh energy was good and i think a lot of people did a lot of good business so how was the show for you all um the show has been fantastic for us especially because we just launched four new products and um, we also upgraded our booth size we had some more people working with us so that was all fantastic however a bit of the drawback and something a bit um sort of on the negative side was that the show was essentially on saturday and sunday when on Monday and Tuesday, there was virtually no one left around. And the same for Friday, there was nothing really going on on the trade show floor. Right. So it essentially really boiled down to two days where all the business was made. And then the last two days, we were sort of standing around and um, following up with media and, and press and whatnot. But unfortunately, sales in the last two days weren't uh, what we were expecting. Oh, I know that for me, I left, I was there uh, Friday for some of the seminar stuff and Saturday and Sunday were like the super busy days, like you could barely get into people's booths. And then Friday was, I mean, Monday was a little bit busy, but it was, like you said, it was very slow for a lot of people on the trade show floor. Um, and then I remember I, I wasn't there on that Tuesday because I just know that that half day is usually, uh, not a lot gets done and people are pretty burned out. So, um, it'll be interesting maybe maybe in future years if they ever take suggestions is to consider making that monday uh more focused on the press because i know or the media because i know that i was trying to get videos done and it was hard to get videos done because you didn't want to interrupt you know actual business being done on that those first two days so you were kind of competing with uh retailers to get coverage but yeah you know, i guess like <laughs> That's probably the follow-up by a live stream. <laughs> yeah. So like I was telling people, uh, I met you all at TPE earlier this year. I know I didn't go to TPE last year. And then I, uh, again, got to see you all here at PCA. So you're a, a newer brand, but I always feel like after, people, after two trade shows, you're not really new anymore because it's really hard <laughs> to be in this industry and challenging. So I'm pretty sure you all have, have gone through the gamut of challenges and obstacles. So you probably feel like um, veterans at this point. 
of the cigar industry. So uh, congratulations for making it this far because I know that that's not easy. Uh, Absolutely. No, we've been we've been through a lot over the past two years. It's definitely been a very interesting um, ride filled with many expensive mistakes. But I feel like you quickly get the hang of it as well. I mean, especially at the trade shows, um, you sort of recognize the patterns of people and you, you get into the flow of things. And I feel like especially at this uh, trade show in, in July at the PCA, um, we really had a fantastic one and, and we learned our lesson. So in our opinion, we did everything right. Great. So what I want to do first, I'm pretty sure some people watching this or listening to this are going to wonder who are you three people uh, who are joining us today on the, the live stream. So if you all could just introduce yourselves and just give people an idea of what role you play within CASA 1910, I think that'll be a great place to start the interview. For sure. I'll start off uh, with myself. My name is Jamie. Um, I'm a, I was born and raised in Switzerland and have spent the past four years living in Mexico. Two of the four years I spent 100% uh, involved in the cigar industry, namely with our brand Casa 1910. I am the co-founder along with Manolo and Serge. So we founded the company together two years ago. And the way sort of or my participation towards the brand was that two years ago, um, for this organization which I had founded, which is called the Swiss Community Mexico. It's essentially a networking platform that I've built up here in Mexico City. And the idea is really to bring together entrepreneurs and serve as a networking business platform. But rather than doing sort of your boring after work networking events, we decided to make things a little bit more fun. And um, one of the events which we offered was a cigar tasting night where we had invited Manolo Santiago who at the time I didn't know yet, but um, at the time he was working for uh, La Casa de Habano and he's the only certified master Habano sommelier in Mexico. He'll tell you more about that in a second. But the point being that after roughly an hour long of doing a tasting and explaining us about Cuban cigars, him and I sat together and it was approximately a three hour long conversation about the Mexican cigar industry, the potential that it has and that essentially led me to really having a deep dive and, and furthering my knowledge in the industry and really coming up with this idea. And shortly after having invited Serge Pollack and Manolo to formally join part of the team and and um, to found the company, which is now known as Casa 1910. And hopefully some of the viewers that are listening in today are already smoking. Yes, yeah, so I'm Serge and um... I'm also Swiss originally, but since six and a half years, I've been living in uh, Mexico City. Initially, I worked in the Ministry of Agriculture here and then in uh, various other uh, agricultural projects. And uh, as Jamie mentioned two years ago, he invited me to join him and Manolo into this project, uh, Casa 1910. And uh, since then, I've assisted uh, Jamie and Manolo on various more business-related aspects uh, of the company, while Manolo here is more involved in the blending process and the technical aspects of of the of the cigars. Yeah, um, thank you. I'm Manolo Santiago, blender for Casa 1910 and co-founder with Jamie and Serge in Casa 1910. I'm from Guadalajara, Jalisco, Mexico, the land of tequila and mariachi, actually. I love um, in, in my 18s, I love the bar, 
I, I discover I discover the bar, I discovered the, the mixology, the cocktail, the red wine, the cigars, and I, my entire life I dedicate to a study the red wine, the scotch whiskey, the bourbon, the tequila, the mezcal, the, the tobacco for entire uh, for different uh, countries. I'm a liar, but I I take the chance to to share the happiness for the smoke, for the happiness for the tequila, for happiness for the rum and, and other pleasures. And well, I worked for several years in Abano CCA, marketing manager and, and advocacy for, for Abanos in Mexico. I work a lot in, in the spirits industry, marketing, and now blending for Casa 1910 and my passion, my love, it's in Casa 1910. <laughs> wow. So you all kind of met over different periods of time and you came together to form this brand, which seems like a simple story, but I'm sure it's not that simple. So how did you, when the idea to kind of create a cigar brand came about, how did you all kind of combine your talents to make this happen? back yeah sorry about that it's fine um can you hear us well yeah i can hear you okay. fantastic so i mean there's many different uh, reasons and, and stories behind why we decided to start in the premium space as a mexican cigar brand but it really boils down to to two essential things the first of the two is that mexico has a massive potential in terms of positioning premium brands on the market, given that so many other brands currently from other regions of the world are using Mexican tobacco, mainly in their binder and their wrapper. Um, however, not many really advertise the San Andres, right? And we figured that it is something similar that has happened in the tequila industry, where there's over 60 celebrity-owned tequila brands in the United States, um, and they exclusively sell in the United States very, very few of them sell in Mexico. And it's a sort of pattern that we've noticed with Mexican products is that oftentimes it gets taken from the country. And what we wanted to do is really pay tribute to all of the artisans and the craftsmanship and the culture of Mexico by embodying Casa 1910, which by the way, marks the beginning of the Mexican revolution, but I'll get into that later. And the second reason behind why we decided to get in, into the industry is actually due to an import regulation, which has been lifted. But essentially, up until six years ago, um, Mexican manufacturers were prohibited from importing tobacco from other regions of the world to make their own blends, which explains why some of the really large producers, like especially during the cigar boom of the 90s and even earlier, such as brands like Teamo, produced millions of cigars for the export market, but didn't really have the opportunity to explore blending uh, domestically. And so essentially what that led to is that Mexicans figured instead of you know positioning themselves in the premium space, they would export the really high quality produce to other regions of the world so they could make blends. And they would in turn use the other tobacco which is left in the market to create millions of 
um, blue color cigars, let's say for under brands such as Teamo. And so the pioneer in, this, in the premium space, of course, with the family to rent um, under the brand name Casa Trent, as you well know. And he was really the first one that started blending together cigars and using uh, this lift in import regulation in order to experiment and, and position Mexico as a premium cigar producer, um, while also relying on other tobaccos of other regions of the world in order to make blends. And so, like following or summarizing what I've just said, those were the two main reasons why we figured that there's a huge potential in the Mexican market. And one thing I actually forgot to mention is also, of course, the incredibly strong brand value that Mexico has. Next to the whole tequila hype, the Netflix series, the tourist destinations, Mexico is almost the household name and people in the United States, especially as well as in Europe, are extremely familiar with the culture. And um, while the tequila market has seen an incredible boom, we strongly believe that the same thing can happen and we're trying our very best to make it happen um, for Mexican cigars and to sort of turn around the distorted perception, let's say, that people have of Mexican tobacco or Mexican brands, rather, and um, really position ourselves and, and compete with some of the other players out there. And of course, we're at the very, very beginning, but um, you got to start somewhere. And when you talk about Mexican tobacco, um, I think most cigar smokers, like you kind of mentioned at the beginning, uh, they know San Andreas wrappers, but they don't really know the qualities of that wrapper. So what, can you, like, can you just talk about for a second, like the quality of Mexican tobacco, like what qualities does it have? And what, when you add that to a blend, like what does it bring to that cigar that you might not get from using Dominican tobacco or Honduran grown tobacco or Nicaraguan tobacco? Well, the, the Negro San Andres is a very interesting leaf because the, the blend, the, the mixture of weather, know-how for the growners and the um, topography for entire Valley San Andres uh, led to the, to the plant make a lot of oils, a lot of flavor, a lot of qualities uh when when you take this kind of leaf negro san andres with a little bit aged it's very earth very toasted but if, if you take a, a leaf from negro san andres with three years five years aged with two fermentations about the 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 binder of, of the wrapper it's a perfect balance for the tobacco with the Dominican Republic. It's a perfect balance with the Nicaragua, okay? Negros Andres, it's a toasted and sweet Dominican uh, tobacco. It's earth, nuts, and wood. It's a perfect balance. With the Nicaraguan tobacco, about the volcanic terroir, mineral, and, and this kind of, of flavors and, and aroma profile, it's very interesting the blend. It's very interesting the the quality. But the Negro San Andres, it's no, it's not just the binder and the wrapper. For the filler, we have an amazing leaves for Negro San Andres with a lot of flavor, with a lot of aroma, with a 
beautiful strength. Eh, Negro San Andrés is not just strength like a esteli ligero. It's not a strong. It's a medium to full, the, the most the, the most powerful leaves, but it's a lot of flavor. It's a lot of aroma and very interesting. Toasted, mineral, and earthy, and a little kind of, of woods. It's very interesting leaf. It's very interesting flavor profile, and it's amazing with the blends. It, it's a beautiful plant, the Negro San Andres tobacco plant. So when um, kind of backtracking a little bit too, you were talking about the name of the company, Casa 1910. Uh, when you talk to different business owners, they always talk about how important, you know, that name of the company is and then how they fret over it because, you know, they, they come up with a name and they wonder if that's going to be a name that they're going to want to stick with, you know, months into the, the venture and then years into the venture. So, how did you all kind of settle on that Casa 1910 name for the brand? I mean, there's multiple reasons for that. But when we looked around at the beginning, we noticed that a lot of cigar brands are really named after uh, the last name of the families of the growers or the families that have been rolling tobacco and they're like Latin derived names, right? Which are oftentimes hard to remember for consumers in the United States and in Europe and around the world. And we wanted to have a name that's uh, really truly uh, synonymous with, with, with Mexico, but it's also easy to remember. And so we decided to go for a date, which is uh, uh, 1910, because 1910 marks the beginning of the Mexican Revolution. And if you think of Mexican cigars, you always picture the Mexican revolutionaries like Zapata and Pancho Villa, which were oftentimes pictured smoking cigars. And many revolutionaries were, were smoking cigars at the time. Also, during the time of 1910, actually, the cigar industry was much bigger than it is now in, in Mexico. And if you look at old pictures from Mexico City, from the center of the city, a lot of storefronts actually were tobacco and cigar stores. And um, in general, around that time, all the storefronts or all the oldest companies were called Casa This or Casa That, re representing, you know, like the house of this, the house of that. So we wanted to call it Casa 1910, the house of 1910, of the Mexican Revolution, you know, and uh, in order to revolutionize a bit um, what is happening in the Mexican cigar industry and give it a fresher, younger take, but also paying homage, as Jamie mentioned, to the rich culture, uh, history, heritage and craftsmanship there is in Mexico. And, and what's the culture? What's the does Mexico have a strong cigar culture? Of because course. I asked that because when I was speaking to uh, Sin from Dissident Cigars a couple of weeks ago, you know, she's based in Nicaragua and she was saying that there isn't, you know, shockingly enough, she said, if you actually live in Nicaragua, there isn't as much of a strong cigar culture there because they make the cigars and they ship them out places. It's like, it's very hard to even find cigar products in Nicaragua. So that makes me wonder like uh, all these different places where cigars are made, like what is the cigar culture like there is 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 there one so is there one in mexico i mean it really depends on what time in history we're looking at right if you just look at the word cigar itself it's actually comes it comes from a mayan word which is shikar you know and then when the spanish colonizers arrived they saw the 
the mind cigar cigar and they said cigarro and that's how cigar originated so the the name cigar originally originally comes from a pre-hispanic uh, word and the mayan civilization is one of the oldest civilization which smoked uh, rolled uh, tobacco leaves and uh, that industry has been growing you know within the new world where a lot of tobacco was harvested and then initially uh, sent back to spain where the tobacco was was rolled there in, into cigars and later on big factories emerged in in mexico right and uh, during the time of the mexican revolution as i mentioned there were many sto uh, shops and stores in in mexico that were selling cigars and the cigar culture was very big nowadays unfortunately due to many um things that have happened over time it is not as big as we would like it to be uh, but we're trying to bring a little bit of a renaissance in mexico there's various reasons why it's not big as, as it should be one of them jamie mentioned which is this import regulation right so for for many years it wasn't able to import tobacco from other countries into mexico and make blends domestically so you only had basically Mexican puros avail available and very expensive foreign cigars because you have very high tobacco taxes and importation taxes here for so cigars here are actually more expensive than the United States or Europe. Um, and at the same time, I think um, in the culture of Mexico, it's still perceived as a businessman, politician, like you kind of made it when you when you smoke cigar and for, for locals, it's very, very expensive to, to smoke cigars, but we're trying to change it a bit and make it younger and then and, and more more accessible again with our brand yeah definitely um when also we... just to uh give your viewers a little bit of a uh let's say if they want to know more about the mexican cigar history um or more about negro san andres on our website which is casa1910.com manolo writes multiple blog posts where there's a lot of information to be found which we're really trying to spread as well quite interesting yeah and what i think is interesting about your story is that you are weaving in so much history of the region into you know the, the branding and I, I would think the blends as well um because there there's you know like you said there's always the approach of if you come from a family that's been in the tobacco industry for a while you can use your last name and then it's a story about the family and the, how each generation helped get them to where they are today and you're taking like a big historical kind of event and like bringing it into a brand so I think that's a very interesting uh approach rather than you know just naming it after one of you know one of you all and your last name a hundred percent and um with everything we do like apart from uh, educating about the Mexican cigar history and the types of tobacco, etc., which we do on, on our blog and Manolo and, and with our retailers, etc. Uh, we also want to educate about the history of Mexico, the history of the Mexican Revolution, but also different uh, cultural aspects about Mexico that we really want to spread with the, with the world. So, as you know from what, which we showed you at the trade shows, but in our magazine, we actually don't write much about, uh, for example anything related to tobacco, but other like cultural brand ambassadors that we have or industries that really make up the, the culture of Mexico right now, which we want to spread with the world ranging from uh, like the culinary industry, mixology, uh, Talavera, which is this like Mexican ceramic, um, 
charreria, which is the national sport of Mexico, it's sort of uh, like a Mexican in rodeo. And out of charreria, many revolutionaries came out of this. And so we really want to be wider than just a pure cigar company, but be a lifestyle brand and really um, push the cigar culture, but also the Mexican history and culture around the world through our brand. Yeah, and I think that's an interesting thing to touch on as well. The idea, like you talk about the magazine that you all created that touches on a different lifestyle aspect. So um, content creation to promote your brand, like how do you approach that? Like how do you, because there's always different ways to promote a brand and you could, you know, just take pictures of your, your stuff and post it on Instagram, but to create content and do blogs about different things that are going on, like how do you approach that content creation and how do you make it as a foundation to kind of promote the, you know, the actual cigars? Yeah. So let me start off perhaps by um, sort of introducing the, the different cigars that we have, because each of them have their own story, but essentially two of our cigars under their revolutionary line are named after the first battles of the Mexican revolution, which is Cuchillo Parado, which translates for to lift a knife and Tierra Blanca. And the other three cigars, which we released at the PCA uh, this year, are named after the horses of famous revolutionaries. And so that goes under the line, the uh, cavalry edition. And so immediately we already have two sectors of things where we really want to emphasize not only the history and the cultural aspect of it, but also tying it into like a contemporary um, sort of lifestyle aspect. And that's precisely what we've done with these um, five releases that we have so far. And we're also working on a third release, which is going to be named after female revolutionaries. Um, and that will present at the TPE in 2023. Now, with regards to content creation, I mean, that is really a stronghold in our company and something which we invested an immense amount of time in. But I think whatever is soothing to the eye and, and whatever educates the final consumer, um, and that's feedback we've really heard from almost each and every one of our customers or people that we've engaged our brand with, is that the branding is extremely strong. And I, I feel like that is something that Serge and myself given sort of our backgrounds, we really tried to bring that and tie that into our product. And it's just try to position a brand a bit differently than what you typically find in the market. And I think the first thing you'll notice about our boxes is that it's really not a traditional um, box of cigars. It doesn't have the hinges. It almost looks like a box of chocolates. And we did that intentionally because we also want to address a newer consumer that comes to market, perhaps is less educated about what he wants in the in the market, what is good, what is bad. And rather than basing his decision upon price point or what he saw his father smoke, um, to have this all-inclusive package of being a new product from a new country, perhaps, or especially a country which he's familiar with, and then also just having the marketing and, and sort of the branding and, and box design um, to back all of that up and, and to make it an amazing gift to give, but also of course, to make it extremely enjoyable for a consumer to indulge in for himself. Yeah, and you touched on, like I said, some of the releases that you showed at PCA. So I have a video, so let me set up that video. So I want people to be able to kind of have that trade show experience of being able to see your booth and see how the presentation was. Um, so let me get that for you. 
be real quick. Hi, I'm Manolo Santiago, blender and co-founder for Casa 1910 Cigars. Casa 1910, it's a Mexican lifestyle and cigar brand. It's all about the Mexican revolution. We have four different new releases in this time at PCA in two editions. The orange one, it's a revolutionary edition with the name of the barrels of the revolution. The green one, the green ones, it's a caber edition. All one, Gilguero, As de Oro and Lucero. It's the name of the horses for revolutionaries like uh, Pancho Villa and Emiliano Zapata. All blends with Nicaragua and Mexico. This one, Tierra Blanca, it's 100% Mexico with a Negro San Andres wrapper with five years aged. It's a medium to full, the perfect pairing, it's Extrañejo Tequila. Lucero, it's a blend with Nicaragua with six different types of tobacco. Torpedo, six for 64. The perfect pairing is Payside Single Malt. As de Oro, it's made with seven types of tobacco, Habano wrapper, binder, Negro San Andres, and five types of Esteli, Jalapan, and Ometepe. And the Gordo, six for 60, it's a Hilguero with a Negro San Andres wrapper, the binder, Esteli, and three different types with Jalapa and Esteli. All made with love, with Mexican passion, and tequila, of course. This is Casa 1910 Cigars. Yeah, so for people, so that was your presentation at the uh, PTA trade show this year. So people kind of get that experience if they weren't there. But um, what has it been like to launch all these products? Because, like you said, you kind of debuted uh, not that long ago. You have like lots of different cigar lines out now. So what has that process been like bringing all these different cigars to market? A never-ending uphill battle. <laughs> <laughs> When you think that you're done with something, the next thing comes up, right? Most people, the retailers, maybe they go back from the trade show, now they place their orders and they go to the store. We have to think now of the TPE releases. We're planning right now, just before this live stream, all our meetings for Inter Tabak in Germany. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just a never ending, you know, like, um, like work and uh, especially given that we put so much attention to detail into everything we do from the names of the of the cigars that have to be co um, historically accurate and coherent and and um, the whole you know like line names and the whole story behind every single line and the cigars but also uh, with um, like our photo shoots and uh, for the for the new lines and there's, there's so much work behind the scenes that people uh, really don't see and uh, everything we do as i mentioned has to be very very accurate you know because we're present here domestically in mexico we're in over 50 retailers here we have our own cigar lounge here so somebody in the us might not know about certain things of mexican history but the locals <laughs> they, they they know so we have to we have to be careful and do everything properly and paying homage to the country but uh, addressing the releases which you mentioned it's actually quite an interesting story and um, a unique approach which we took in the industry. But um, we initially launched with one facing, and that was the Cuchillo Parado, this upper box which you see here. Uh, it's a Robusto format cigar. And the reason behind why we decided to debut with one cigar is because we felt that it's a fantastic way to test the market. 
Um, this was a consequence of our action, which we weren't even fully aware of or calculating, but a lot of retailers onboarded our product, positioned it sort of in the center table, which they had in the humidor. And upon first impression, especially if you're not familiar with the brand, you sort of, it sort of looked like a one-off sort of boutique, um, hard to get kind of thing, right? And also the second action or consequence rather is that it gave us a fantastic opportunity to build a relationship with the retail accounts, which we managed to open at the TPE to give them um, sort of that extra help in terms of marketing material, live streams and whatnot. And then once we felt really comfortable um, in the market and once we've learned our lessons, so to speak, Manolo really spent a lot of time together with our producers, uh, blending cigars, making sure the quality control process were in check. And then all of this leading up to the launch at the PCA. Um, I think it was a very interesting move because we've been told by many people that no one takes this approach. Um, but it worked in our favor and I think we're extremely comfortable now where we're at um, in terms of the releases. We have one more release uh, planned in the immediate term, which is going to be in at the TP in 2023. And that's when we're really test the demand um, of the market is, you know, what are people smoking? What are they enjoying? Should we change the Vitolas? Should we, you know, maybe update the blends a bit? And um, yeah, that's a bit where we are in terms of the releases. Yeah, well, I think what's very interesting is that, as Jamie mentioned, we started with one cigar in, in one Vitola in a Robusto and also with one blend, right? And so it was one size fits all, let's say. And uh, we launched it first in Mexico because it was very important for us to open up first the Mexican market, having our cigar lounge here first and being in the most respected cigar retail locations here. And then as of the TPE of this year, started opening up the American market with this cigar. And then the four new cigars we launched, they're a different blend each cigar and a different Vitola uh, each cigar except for the Toros, right? Um, but over time now, it gives us the opportunity to see which blend is more successful in the market and then see whether we will release more Vitolas under each single blend. For some of the feedback that you all have received from retailers and consumers, I would think through social media, um, what have they come back to you with? Like, are there certain things that they really gravitate towards and they say, we really like this? And then what is there anything that they kind of said, please stop doing this or we don't like this part or like what was some of that feedback that you can share with us? So, think, yeah, so just real quick, noticeably uh, what we saw is we were cautious as a bringing the Mexican puro line onto the market because of all the stigma that there is and the general sort of perception of, of Mexican premium cigar brands. But um, having said that after the launch and after people smoked it, People were fascinated by the quality and the flavor profiles and the complexities of our cigar. And, you know, most of the accounts reordered them. Most of them said they really appreciated it. It's something highly unique in the industry and it separates us apart from, from the rest of the crowd. So I think that was definitely a very positive feedback. And then a negative feedback was of course, what the hell are you doing? You released one cigar, <laughs> you know, especially for the bigger accounts, they would, they weren't going to, onboard our product um, since we'd simply get lost in a humidor. That was my experience. I don't know what you said. Yeah, I would uh, think that like having just one selection though is not necessarily bad because 
sometimes if you did the reverse and you had all these different options and you're a new company, it's like, why would the retailer trust you initially to bring in all these different products, not knowing if it was going to sell or not? So kind of limiting it at first, I think is a smart move because you're telling a retailer, like take a chance on this release and then we'll gradually add more obviously to our portfolio, but we're not going to release five different lines and tell you to bring them all in and you don't know who we are yet. Yeah, exactly. I mean, maybe the approach of having one single SKU, you know, it was, I mean, it was interesting and we, we managed to open quite a few accounts with just one SKU. But then I think it would have also been a mistake to launch straight away with 15 or 20 plus because we're a new brand and any retailer is maybe not going to bring in like from the get go, you know, like 20 SKUs, right? It's a lot of shelf space to, to give to a new brand. And I also think it was very smart of you all to start locally, like when you created your cigar to focus, you know, let's make sure that if people here like it before you worried about completely expanding you know, to international markets, uh, just because if you read all the business books, they always say, if you can't conquer your own local market, then you're going to have a hard time building, you know, markets and, and going into regions where you don't have any presence anyway. Yeah, correct. And that's a, the reason really why we launched also Robusto, because it's the most commonly smoked cigar here. Then when we went more into the United States, that's when we launched the, the, uh, Toro and the Gordos, which are like sizes that not many people smoke in Mexico, but are very popular in the United States. And we also realized that launching the Cuchillo Parado in a medium body, it's what people maybe like mostly in, in, in Mexico. You know, and then I think is accustomed very much to this Nicaraguan flavors. And then when Mex when blending Mexican and Nicaraguan tobacco, we hit the we hit the sweet spot there. Well, I should be in your region because I prefer Robustos to Toros. Uh, I never had the time to, you know, Toro takes a little bit more time to, to smoke uh, and I'm usually short on time. So I always go for like the Robusto, which doesn't really take as much time and, and stuff. But I always think that's kind of interesting, just different regions, different preferences. And I'm sure you all, as you, have been progressed from when you launched to now you kind of learned all these different ticks and in, in uh different characteristics i say of of you know different regions around the world and what they all want so, um yeah it's interesting i mean the flavor profiles the strengths the vitolas really like vary from from region to region around the world and you can't make something to please everybody but you have to have a selection that is you know Everybody likes something different at the end of the day. I mean, there is definitely trends, but uh, sometimes those trends change, right? In the US, you've always seen bigger ring gauges, ring, bigger ring gauges, etc. Now, I, I have seen at the trade show, like a few companies are releasing uh, smaller ring gauges again. I don't know if that's for limited editions or for the connoisseur or the very aficionados more, that appreciate this more. But I think there might be a re reverse in this, in this trend. You know, it's, it's like with food or art or anything you know the trends change over time yeah definitely i think that you know when big green green gauges came onto the market from what i've read and, and heard you know they were something new and so it interested consumers to try something completely new from you know what they were used to and now i think that as more companies have embraced this big green gauge thing like now you know 
companies like, like you said, doing it in reverse. Now it's the skinnies, the Lanceros, it's the, you know, the really smaller ring gauges that are kind of interesting people because people like to, cigars are something that you have to interact with. So people want that new interaction that they're not, you know, accustomed to. So smoking a, a smaller ring gauge is almost a little bit fun because it's just something completely different from what you're used to now. Yeah, and something that is very interesting also about our brand and Manolo's experience in the spirits industry prior to getting into cigars is that Manolo always thinks of a, a suggested pairing when blending each cigar in each blend, right? And we also have that in, in our boxes, like in this um, shelf talker. Yeah, in these shelf talkers. Where on the left hand side of the shelf talkers, you can see uh, basically like the smoking time, the strengths. Uh, well, this, this, the uh, flavor profile, the suggested um, pairing. So if you really immerse yourself with our brand and you have the magazine reading about different cultural aspects of and different industries of Mexico, or you go into our Instagram or website and read about the blend, about, about the flavors, about your suggested pairing, and uh, like really do a deep dive into like a Mexican experience. That's really what we want to give to the end consumer. So they can have an all-round experience, right? You, you like, I don't know, bourbon, go for this cigar, this smoking time, read about what's what's the background of the cigar and what's the history of Mexico and Mexican tobacco and really immerse yourself in, in this experience. Yeah, and Manolo, how do you approach blending? Like, how do you create different blends, different taste profiles within that cigar? Is there something, is there a type of tobacco that you gravitate towards or a type of flavor profile that you like to kind of create? <clears throat> well, when I make uh, a cigar, a blend, I need to, to take the control for several aspects. Number one, the flavor and aroma profile. This, this aspect give me the other 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 aspect it's uh, the perfect pairing if I take um, a profile like a sweet wood woody and earthy it's maybe like a rum but which rum Nicaraguan Cuban Mexican um, American and, and Spanish rum it's it's very very different and and very interesting to discover this this uh, profile okay the flavor and aroma profile the strength it's very important but when i make a, a blend i need to to make a blend with a small format and to to escalate to different formats and when 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 i discover perfect blend for the perfect Vitola, it's the final. It's, it's, it's the good stuff, okay? Uh, when I take the flavor profile, the strength, and the, and the perfect Vitola, I make some experiments for, for pairings. When, when I take the, the, some kind of uh, flavor profile, I take some rum, I take some bourbon, I take some tequila and, and other spirits and another non-alcoholic beverage like a coffee or tea 
and maybe some mocktail and, or cocktail, classic cocktails and, and mixology. And I love make experiments with, with a different beverage, with a different spirits, with a different cocktail, uh, with a different uh, flavor profiles. And maybe it's not the final one cigar. Maybe when, when I take the, some experiments with the spirit, with the beverage and uh, another kind, I, I maybe make some changes in, in the in the blend in the in the ligada, okay. And for, for me, it's it's uh, an amazing uh, travel for for discover the perfect blend for the perfect pairing and the the flavor profile. It's it's a journey, entire journey. You're talking about different pairings, and I know that. Uh that's always a, a hot topic in the industry because I don't know if a lot of people, a lot of general consumers really know how to do their own pairings at home. Like they just gravitate. They think it's a cigar. I should pair it with a bourbon or a whiskey. Um, what are your tips for people when they're at home and they want, and they don't have an expert like yourself uh, <laughs> to, to help guide them? Like how should they find like the best, kind of spirit or just even like you said non-alcoholic drink to pair with whatever cigar that they're smoking okay well i have some um some uh, like a asses or, or jokers in in the in in, 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 in the slip for for that okay the perfect pairing with entire world of tobacco it's a black tea. The black tea, it's the perfect pairing with, with all cigars because the, the black tea, it's perfect to clean the palate, to reset the, the, the tongue. It's perfect to every cigar. But if you have some rum, maybe, well, it's, it's, a, it's an entire masterclass for, for the parents because when when you take a, a a drink, maybe first the first step is take a sip for the drink, and later you take a cigar, or maybe you can make some puffs, take some puffs in the cigar, and after select a, um, a, a drink. Well, you need to to make a perfect balance. If the cigar it's more complex you need complexity in the beverage like um, it's no strength cigar it's a full body with a white drum or gold drum because this kind of, of, of rums it's some soft it's not complex you need a lot of complexity like a Nicaraguan rum with 18 years old like a 21 years old with a full body cigar, you need to make a balance. Every time you need to make a balance. You, you, don't, uh, you don't make a, a pairing, a perfect pairing with a strong coffee and a light cigar. It's no balance here in the pairing. You need maybe uh, strong with a strong like a, a espresso or double espresso 
with a lot of body for for your palate. You need all time a balance. You you don't you don't need um oh I have the perfect cigar, the most expensive cigar with the most expensive champagne. This is not a pairing. This is a funny smoke, okay? But it's not the perfect pairing. You need the balance for the palate, for, for the nose, for the senses. It actually, you need balance in, in the sensation, in, in the uh, temperature, in the, in the coffee, with the smoke, and the, maybe with the, with the water, with the sparkling water, with, with, the, with the cigar. All think about the pairing, you need a balance. Complexity with a complexity. Low complexity, low complexity in the smoke, in the, in the drink. It's all. And there's so many things that go towards this that you can spend hours talking about this. But what is very interesting is a lot of people would think, well, it's a Mexican cigar. You're suggesting tequila. Let's pair it with a margarita. That's a no-go in theory. Because like everything with Mexican food, a lot of Mexican food actually is not a good pairing with Mexican cigars because it has a lot of lime and acidity in it. And acidity doesn't go well with, with cigars, right? And uh, therefore, when we do our tastings with Manolo in our cigar lounge uh, in, in, in Mexico City or on live streams, what is also very interesting is that we pair basically the pairings, not only with the cigar, but with the thirds. So, for example, for the Cuchillo Parado, which is a suggested pairing the tequila, we do it the first third with a reposado, the second, second third with an añejo, and the third third with an extra añejo. So while the cigar gets more complex and goes a bit higher in strength, you, you see the evolution also in the more barrel aged, like more whiskey notes of the extra añejo tequila, which is spices, florals, and, and a lot of, of flavor, a lot of aroma in the cigar and the beverage. And, and what I think very interesting, if I can give a shout out to another company on, on, on this platform, but mm -hmm. what Manuel has always taught me is that it's very hard to find basically red wine that is a very good pairing with a cigar because the tenants of the of the wine and the tenants of the cigar they're conflicting so i think it's very interesting what was released at the pca by uh, luciano right from ace prime that he tried to make a cigar perfect pairing with a red wine where they actually analyzed the tobacco and the cigar in labs and made it ph neutral at seven so it can be paired mm. better with with red wine but you can it's it's a rabbit hole you can spend hours talking about these pairings yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was just thinking I should have you all back on at some point to do a, a pairings uh, or uh, some kind of tasting because um, I'm sure that would be pretty interesting to kind of do and just have you kind of walk us through it uh, and maybe get a group of uh, consumers to take part and just have you all kind of guide us through that. That would kind of be very interesting, I think. You know, what I think would be the, a cool thing, maybe that I have not seen it, it might already exist in the industry, but I personally have not seen it, is, you know, there's so many uh, subscription models right now uh, with monthly packages of, of different cigars out there in the United States, a few of them that we have already participated in. But what I think would be super cool, I don't know if it's legally even allowed to sell spirits with, with cigars online together, but to do a shipment where you get the little like you know hotel kind of mini bar samplers. samplers and you can you know you get not only the cigars but the pairing as well and can do the total experiment at home maybe something to to look into maybe it's interesting yeah definitely um as we kind of get towards the end of our our hour together what 
coming ahead for the concert 1910. So you all talk, were saying that you were working on a release that you hope to debut at TPE 2023. Um, what else are you all working on right now? I mean, to give you, or to give the viewer a bit of a better understanding of what exactly your releases are is um, by February, which is the time for TPE next year, we're going to have the third release, which is going to be uh, Dominican tobacco blended with Mexican tobacco. Uh, the second release was the Cavalry Edition, which is Nicaraguan tobacco blended with Mexican tobacco. And the first release is 100% Mexican tobacco. Um, the goal here is really to cover sort of the broad spectrum of flavor profiles, strengths, vitolas, ring sizes, etc. And as mentioned before, to test the consumer and see what works and what doesn't. We're new in the industry. Um, we have a long road ahead of us, but we're here to learn and we want to make the user experience as good as possible. So having said that, I think we'll have a very diverse and interesting product portfolio of cigars. And as we go along, we'll be tweaking and updating the blends. Manolo will be um, sourcing, you know, different um, Vitolas for the blends that we already have. And just really seeing what works best for us and learning together and engaging with our consumers to find the optimal cigar um, for the demographic of smokers that appreciates a good Casa 1910. Cool. Besides that, on a company um, perspective, I mean, we're growing relatively rapidly. Um, I think as a newcomer into the industry, uh, we can be proud of ourselves to have achieved what we have achieved because it really, on the surface, it seems very easy, but I think everyone in the industry knows how much work really goes behind launching a new brand and and figuring out your whole distribution and logistics and supply chain, etc. Um, so having said that, we're in the process of hiring people, uh, especially salespeople between Europe and the United States, and just furthering our footprint um, in the market and most importantly, engaging with the current consumers or retail accounts that we have by offering them precisely what you mentioned, which is tastings and giving them that edge in, in terms of experience that they can really enjoy and get an immersive experience um, into our brand, which is far more than just a cigar company. It's really a lifestyle that we're trying to portray and a lifestyle which we see people wanting to be a part of. Um, as a new company, I'm sure you, as you kind of mentioned at the beginning, you've learned from experience what works, what doesn't work, what to do, what not to do. So could each of you kind of share a, a tip for other entrepreneurs out there who are, you know, trying to launch a new business or trying to do something new, a new product maybe. What's your one tip for people who are new to something, who are trying to do something uh, entrepreneurial? What's one tip that you could offer them from what you've learned from working at Council 1910? So if I may start on the, with my point, and I'll talk for myself, but we were always extremely sort of product and, and experience driven in terms of the marketing and, and everything that we've done. And ultimately it did pay off, but I would heavily advise that whoever wants to get into the industry and for entrepreneurs starting out, figure out logistics and distribution <laughs> first, see who to work with, who not to work with, because there's a ton to learn. And um, it's really a, a maze 
of things, which it's a never ending sort of learning cycle. And don't be as, of course, be product focused, but also figure out, you know, the roots to getting the product into people's hands. I think that's an extremely valuable and, and tedious lesson, which we've learned. Serge? Yeah. Um... I mean, that's a very good point that summarizes a lot of things, right? You can do all the marketing you want, but if you're not available for, for a sale, it, I mean, it's kind of, it's, it's useless, right? But um, I think take your time, you know, don't rush things, maybe I would say, you know, like we, we oftentimes were, as I mentioned before, like there's always the next thing coming up with the inter-tabac and then the new release and you sometimes like are hiring, you're, you're making sales, you're doing so many things at once. You just have to take a step back and like, look at everything that you, that you're, that you're doing and just take your time to, to choose wisely or take your time to re-strategize the business. Right. Especially in a young, early company like ours, you know, you have your business plan, you have your goals, you have your like direction where you're going, but there is many different ways to go there and sometimes there's some shortcuts that you're not even thinking of or maybe sometimes you're doing too many things too early you want to do everything from the beginning because you're so passionate you have so many ideas you're so creative you want to do everything and then you take a step back and say look in terms of marketing we're going to do these three things and you say these seven things are still good but we're going to do them in the future or in terms of product releases or hires or whatever it may be or markets you open right you can't just be open everywhere like in one go so we, we chose to say, okay, let's just do Mexico first, then only do four states in America and open more states in America and slowly, you know, build out the company. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> for me, never give up, never, never give up. And you need to find the perfect balance for the good people good team good product quality and marketing you need every time a balance never never you, you can take a perfect marketing material and a lower quality in the in the tobacco you need all all time the perfect balance marketing team and the quality in the tobacco and make amazing experience for the final consumers. It's all perfect and amazing experience for the final consumers. Awesome. An experiment, a lot of experiments. <laughs> and one more thing, have enough money. I think that's definitely <laughs> there in terms of things that you need to start a cigar business. Well, that's funny. Well, it's, well, money is like any business, like nobody wants to really speak about that part but then that seems to be what trips up a lot of people because even what seems like the simplest of things like cigar bands in the cigar industry or cellophane it all costs money and nobody really talks about it so you kind of get tripped up once you get into the industry and you're like oh this costs a lot more money than i thought it would and it all compounds and adds up a few cents here for the bovada, a few cents here for the rings, a few cents here for this and that. Raven. And uh, you do it times 100,000 and you see what the, it's a good yeah. change, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Um, for, for those people who are not watching this on YouTube or Facebook or Twitter, could you tell people what Instagram, what social media they need to follow, what website they need to go to in order to kind of keep up with Casa 1910 and what you all have going on? For sure. You said for those people that don't have? Uh, I'm saying for those people who are just listening to the audio version of this, I know that they haven't seen the banner um, that's yeah. been on the screen for most of the show. Could you, so could you okay. just tell them what social media and what websites that they need to kind of keep track of? Yeah. So most importantly, I would say is their Instagram. That's where sort of all of our efforts have been put into. And we, we focused on three pillars there between uh, lifestyle, product, and, um, and culture. So essentially just um, covering these, those three pillars to educate the final consumer. And you'll get a very good understanding of our brand. Then the second is our website, which is perhaps a bit of a rough draft. We're, we're revamping it and, and updating it and renovating it, but it is www.casa1910.com. And um, you'll also find us across other social medias, which we're slow, slowly building up, such as TikTok, uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, etc. But I would really go for Casa1910MX on the Instagram and um, see for yourself and, and let us know what you think and definitely give us a follow. Well, awesome. Well, I want to thank you three for spending an hour with me and people who are listening and watching this now and who will be listening and watching this in the future. Uh, I've definitely learned a little bit more about your brand and hopefully people will be encouraged to go out to their local tobacconist and give you all a try or if they are not yet hearing you all, maybe they can put in a word and have the tobacconist uh, place an order. We always appreciate it. Absolutely. And if any of the viewers or even yourself ever come down to Mexico, we have a beautiful cigar lounge here in the Roma Norte district of Mexico City, um, where we offer private tastings. And um, you guys are all well, more than welcome to visit. And otherwise, we hope to see you guys somewhere in the United States or at least um, hear your feedback about your opinion of our product. Awesome. Like I said, thank you all for coming on today. And thank you everyone for watching today. If you're watching on Facebook or YouTube or Twitter, uh, make sure you hit that like or subscribe button uh, to be notified of any time we go live. Um, also, if you're listening to this podcast on any of the, plat the podcasting platforms, such as Apple or Spotify or iHeartRadio, uh, just make sure you hit that subscribe button and also leave a review. Because reviews kind of help me to make a better show. Um, so any feedback is always appreciated. And if you miss any part of this episode or any of the other 96 episodes that there are, are, are out there right now, you can watch all the episodes in their full entirety on deepcutslive.com. So um, we have several new episodes planned for the next couple of weeks. Uh, so just tune in uh, on social media or go to the website and you'll see when those episodes become available. So um, thank you all for watching. Thank you all, like I said, Council 1910 folks for coming on today and sharing so many, uh, especially the pairing information, because that's always an area of interest for me, because I have a whole bar area in my apartment that uh, I never really know how to, to utilize. So uh, <laughs> any uh, pairing information is always appreciated. So thank you so much. Shoot us a DM on Casa1910MX if you want to know any pairing information and we'll be happy to get back to you with anything you want to know. Yeah.
Yeah, I'll take a picture and like send it to you all. And just don't think I'm an alcoholic because I'm really not. It's just at some point I'm just if it was like a, fa a fantasy to like have all these different uh, spirits and so I've collected a whole bunch of them over there and then I can just look at them every day. So, um. <laughs> no, definitely. I mean, there's so many different. There's a universe of pairings. We can do another show just about pairings, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that would be interesting to do. Like, I think it'll be a good follow up to just do like a pairing. Like I said, because I definitely have some. Uh, maybe I'll shoot you all a, a picture of some of the, the spirit selections that I have, and have you all kind of come up with some pairing ideas. And Vanilla uh, can. Also, we won't judge you. Don't worry. Vanilla <laughs> <laughs> can come up with a, a good. Uh, a cocktail recipe that we can try out on on a live, which will be always be fun as well, uh, and give people a little bit more to do, uh, and they can follow along with us. So we'll talk about that, but maybe that'll be your your second appearance on the show. Uh, something along those lines will be fun to do. Sounds very good. Thank you so much for having us. We really appreciate it, and we hope to see you very soon. Yeah, thank you, and thank you everybody for watching. And until next time.